Okay, we're going to revisit a topic that I think we did in the Shemi Shmuel last year. Very confusing topic that you have in Vayichi, very dramatic, which is the blessing of Yaakov to Ephraim and Menashe, and this disagreement that he has with Yosef. It's, uh, if you really think about it, if you visualize it in your mind, it's shocking. When Yaakov Avinu was uh, really described by Chazal's Bechir Sheba'avos, it gets into levels in which they say what the Navi saw Yechezkel, in the Maisim Merkava, the Musa Adam Alakise, the image of a man on this divine throne on the Merkava is the image of Yaakov Avinu. And here, right when Yosef presents Ephraim and Menashe, Ephraim is the younger, Menashe is the older, and he lines them up so that Menashe will be across from Yaakov's right hand. And Ephraim will be across from the left hand. Yaakov Avinu specifically, right, this strange phrase in the Pasuk, Sikeles Yodov, he with great intent changed his hands. And Yosef actually physically comes to remove those hands and to disagree and say, Lochein Avi. And Yaakov Avinu tells him, Yodati, I know what you're saying. Menashe will also be great. But... The younger brother will be greater. And his children will fill the nations. <laughs> what, what is this argument which is here? It's obviously something so powerful and we have to realize it has to do with us. Because when the bracha finally comes out, Yaakov Avinu says, Am Yisrael, down to us, this will be the template of the bracha. I was at a simcha last night, by the way. It was just interesting that Rabbi Yudin from America was here. And he said over a beautiful thing from a Futner that Hashem said, Everybody in the world is going to give a bracha. Rashi says means they'll say, you should be like Avram. How suddenly is it being taken away, so to speak, from Avram and given to Ephraim and Menashe, Yisimcha Elokim Ephraim Menashe. And I believe the explanation he gave was that what Avram didn't have was the ability to draw from his past. This is not eliminating the bracha from Avram. This is saying now Ephraim and Menashe, they have behind them those Avos. Right? They are now able to draw from that and carry that on. That's how the bracha goes on to its next stage. You're not canceling it, but going on there. So this is the bracha, our bracha. So what's it saying? So the Svasemis in Tavresh Mem Zayin refers to it very briefly. He says that Menashe, the name Menashe, represents the approach of what's called Sur Meirah. Okay, David HaMelech says very clearly in a pasuk, Sur Meirah Va'asetov. Stay away, distance yourself, move away from evil, and do good. Now that seems to lay out a very logical pathway, right? It's kind of not very efficient to do the good while you're still doing the bad, right? There are many examples. Chazal always used this expression, you have this dead animal which can make you tame in your hand and you jump into the mikveh. Mikvah is not going to be able to help you, right, while you're holding that sheretz. 
So that's why it seems to make sense. Put down the sheretz, right, and hop in without anything disturbing. Menashe, the very word Menashe, Yosef said when he gave him that name, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu caused me to forget those things that I went through. So that is the idea of sur meirah, of staying away, detaching from negativity, from the past, from all those things. Ephraim, ki Ephraim elokim beretzonyi. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Fruitfulness is the asay tov. So Yosef was presenting the classic position. He says, Menashe is the first. Menashe is the primary. Sur meirah. Nothing happens without being able to detach. It's so simple to think of just physical examples of this. If you have a, cl- a cup which is filthy and germy, so putting water in the cup, even if it's very pure water, the cup's just going to infect it it'll contaminate it. You have to clean the cup first. Otherwise, you're just wasting the water. So it seems. So that would seem to be the way in which a person has to repair, has to do things. Yaakov Avinu says, Yadati bni Yadati, meaning, I don't disagree with that. That is true. Okay, and this is the way it's explained. It's in a variety of Sifri Hasidus. We'll see soon the Svasemis' brother-in-law, the Sifri Tzadik, the Shaloh Kodesh, even before Hasidus brought this down, that that pathway of trying to first separate and repair and atone for everything before you move on is not viable for the future generations. There may be individuals who are able to thrive in that way. There may be generations that have the strength to do that, but others won't be able to do that. They need to take the other path of of being fruitful in the land of the suffering, meaning I'm still suffering spiritually. I haven't cleaned it up. Nonetheless, there's a power in those positive actions to be able to repair the past as well. And without connecting to that positivity, no one will have the strength and the ability to detach themselves. So let's look. The Sifsei Tzadik was the brother-in-law and cousin of the Svasemis. And he adds a lot more into this in the description. He says, Okay, Yaakov Avinu gave Ephraim precedence. Omar Zakeni HaKadosh. He's quoting the Chidush the first Ger Rebbe. Gishem Menashe, as we said, the name Menashe is al shem Nashani Elohim Kol Amoli. To forget to step away from the past. To purify yourself from any iniquity from the past. If a person has to break their nature, you're addicted to something. You're unable to take off, to elevate, because you're so caught up in something. So he says, After the person distances himself from, let's say, this worldly pleasures that he's kind of addicted to. Right? You can't take off if the airplane is too heavily loaded. If you've got stuff holding you down, you have to jettison some of the things, and then you can fly. That's the idea of Menashe. That's Nashani. Shem Ephraim. The name Ephraim is Ephraim Elokim Be'eretz Onyi. 
Hashem made me fruitful in the land of my suffering, which is, he says, Yuchal lageshes lavores hakodesh af betoch anius bedaas. My mind isn't where it should be. Okay, my mind isn't able to have holy, elevated thoughts. In fact, my mind has oftentimes many of the opposite thoughts. Nonetheless, I am able to approach Avodah Hashem. And after that, by throwing yourself into Avodah Kodesh, then that will get you to forget those negative things that you were locked into. That'll make the disengagement, not by a frontal battle, and certainly not by the path of what you find in Sroim, which is called Tanios, by fasting, or Sigufim, uh, self-induced suffering. There were generations, and there were individual people who did that, not as an idea of suffering to atone per se, but to be able to separate, to detach, to elevate above the physical. Certainly in the time of Rebelli Melech Mijensk, but even before the Baal Shem Tov and such said that that path no longer works for our generations. Attempting such a thing will simply lead us into sadness and depression and will have the opposite effect. What we have to do is to throw ourselves into that avoda with fire, with hislavos, and then once a person has connected to something which is so sweet and so pleasurable and awakened that, then the detachment happens more naturally. Okay? It's a different thing. Perhaps this is like the dynamic that's supposed to happen in the Beis Amikdash. The Maharal says that the phrase, Hahar hatov hazev alavanon, this good mountain and the Levanon, Lebanon, refers to the Beis Amikdash. Why? So he says, the Haratovazeh is the Beis Hamikdash is on a mountain. It's called Levanon Shemalbin Avanoseim Shal Yisrael. It whitens the sins of Am Yisrael. What does that mean? It's like something you put on your fabrics before you put them in the washing machine, right? This whitener. So he says it has to do with the fact that it's high. Now Levanon usually connects to the idea of Arzei Halavanon, the cedars of Lebanon. He says, you have a mountain, and on top of that, you have the Beis HaMikdash. We describe a Jew going up on Aliyah. Aliyah Regal, To go up to Yerushalayim, to go up to Harabais, and then to go up to the Beis HaMikdash. That journey isn't simply geographical Aliyah. It's a spiritual Aliyah. Now, the I'm sorry, the Sefer HaChinuch says that the reason the Torah gave us so many mitzvahs that require a Jew to go up to Yerushalayim and the Beis HaMikdash is because the Avodah there, seeing the Avodah, was transformational. A person would go and get involved in seeing, you saw the Kohanim doing their Avodah, you heard the singing of the Levim, it, you saw the Sanhedrin in the Lishka Sagazis. These were experiences that were life-changing. And then... Very naturally, those negative things that you are connected to, you're no longer connected to anymore. You have a different perspective on life. And you can bring that perspective home with you when you go back. So that's why people were always cycling to the base of English with their Bikurim, with their Truma, and the woman bringing a carbon after she has a baby, and Aleila Regal, and all these different things. This is what a person is doing. Meister Shady, I'm sorry, the Truma you give to the coin. When he gets. So you have 
all of these trips there. Now, that avoda also was joyous, right? It's uh, something, kohanim are meant to be besimcha. I saw this explanation once from Shimon Greenfield. He was a rav in Hungary. So he wrote for the puzzling thing, why kohanim are meant to stay away from death. It's one of the few halachas that kohanim have really applying to them nowadays. He says very simply because kohanim were supposed to display avodas Hashem besimcha to Am Yisrael. They have to be in training always to be able to display that simcha. And even though Jews are not afraid of death and we relate to death as part of life, so to speak, and as this transition, nonetheless, it's a bit of a downer. Okay, so the kohanim, who are meant to be in the top of their form in simcha, stay away from that. So this is the avoda which is there, and that's the dynamic he's describing. A person who throws himself into avoda bihislavus is able to detach from the negative, and that's a pathway which is far more accessible than fighting it head-on and trying to break all of those connections. He says, this is why, he says, Vayosem Ephraim Lifnei Menashe. This is why Yaakov Avinu gave Ephraim the precedence. Because that is the tried and true path. That is the one which will be accessible no matter how low a person has gone in all the future generations. Now it's interesting, this is the way he says, he explains the machlokas of Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel back in Hanukkah. Okay, if we remember, Beis Shammai said that you start lighting with eight and you go down. We start lighting with one and go up to eight. Okay, and it's described as either mosi v'holich, right, or poches v'holich. Either Beis Hillel adds on and goes, Beis Shammai detracts and goes. What does that mean, especially that and goes? He says, Beis Shammai was saying, this is the pathway of Avoda. He says, first, eliminate those things, right, that have to be eliminated in order to do your Avoda Hashem. Okay, now you have to realize also that the Jewish Neshama is inside of us always. So eliminating negative things doesn't leave you with a vacuum. What you're doing really is clearing up interference so that you're now able to live and connect and be sensitive to all those things that your neshama would be able to do. Okay, so therefore it makes sense. Clear out the interference. The person comes and says, you know, I bought this fancy stereo system or something I'm not able to receive you know, the radio stations well or something, and then you discover your stereo system's fine. It's just your neighbor's got this kind of transmitter that he's working in his house. If you eliminate the transmitter, everything comes out fine. So that's the idea of poches v'holech. Beis Hillel says, no, mostly v'holech. He's lavos b'avodos ha-kodesh b'chol es. Right? You keep trying to move forward and to do positive avoda. Memele yichlu hamizbalbalim. Right? That's almost the idea of just pump up your equipment and then you'll be able to receive and then the other stuff will just fade away. Okay, now, this also has to do with an aspect of the idea of fire. He says that fire does two things. Fire illuminates and fire consumes. Beshamai's approach to the fire is use the fire to consume the negative. Hillel says... Use the fire to illuminate, and then the negative is going to go away. Now, both of these are pathways. That's why it says, 
Mosif v'holech, and it also says Poches v'holech. Beishamai, were you talking about a path that enables you to progress? You are progressing by cutting back on things. Beis Hillel says the way to progress is to progress by adding on and by doing that. Okay, so these are the two ways. I thought it's, it's actually fascinating that, I don't know all the science of it, but one way to sterilize things, what was often done in the old days, is by fire, by heat. Right? You take a knife, you want it to be sterile, you put it into the heat, or you put it into something with very hot water. But I remember during Corona, especially in other times, they were talking about that there are spectrums of light, that the light itself disinfects things and kills germs and other things. Different types of light which is there are able to do that as well. So both are ways to purify, so to speak, that we have available here. Okay, so this is the idea that primacy is given to Hifrani Elohim B'derechani. To paying attention to continue on, to move forward, and that's really how one forgets. Sometimes people have come to me after a painful breakup, right? I'll say, I, I can't forget her, right? I just can't get away from it. And you can tell him, fight it, stop thinking about her, but if he moves on in life and meets somebody else and meets that person who's truly his match, she'll fade into the background. That's the dynamic that's being spoken about here, okay? Hifrani is the ability to do that. Now, our battle in life is that the voices tell us you can't do this. It's hypocritical to do this. Until you solve problem X, how can you be going ahead to do Y? Meaning, a person says, that's it. I'm going to go to shul today. And the Yitzhahara says, yeah, but look what you did yesterday. Do you think Hashem wants you in his shul? Fix yourself up, clean yourself up, then you can go to shul. Okay? That's a negative thing. We don't endorse setting up a hypocritical standard for life in which a person says, okay, that's it. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. That's the way I'm a Jew, right? I, I rob people, I steal, but I also go to shul at the same time. Setting it up as a way of life or a way for a community is a problem. But the fact that a person falls and does things doesn't mean that you can't go ahead and to do that other positive thing which is there. The Kotzke Rebbe said, a mensch, he said in Yiddish, is amanuta malach, amanuta galach. One minute he's an angel, the next minute he's like a priest to idolatry. That's human nature. That's us. Now, what we have to realize is that oftentimes we define ourselves by those galach moments. When a person did something negative and fell, we tend to say, okay, now we see who we are. Now I see who I really am. All the illusions are gone. Look at what I did. But why do that? Because you've also had malach moments. Why do you assume that that galach moment is your definition? Look at what you're capable of doing. Look at, in those moments, what you're able to do. If a person realizes that and continues on with that, he has great strength. The Swasemis talks about this in a similar theme when he talks about Yehuda. Right? Yehuda is like a lion. Right? It says, Karara Yehuda crouches, 
or bows, bows down, so to speak, and crouches like a lion. What are those images? So he says the Chidush Yerim said the power of Yehuda is that even when he's low, right, when he's lying down, he's still a lion. Okay, just because you see a lion lying down there, every time you're taking the kids to the zoo, basically the lions are just lying down. Okay, but it, that doesn't mean you can hop on his back and take him for a ride or start pulling on his mane. He's still a lion. Okay, and, right, nonetheless also, right, that when he is, right, it, it says he's also crouching, meaning, I'm sorry, when he's, when he's down, so he's still crouching like a lion, ready to spring forward. But also, right, he's someone who has his lowliness, right, when, even though he realizes his greatness and power. Okay, so these are the two. I'm sorry, let me make it a little bit more clear. Yehuda is a very interesting name. Yehuda has the entire Shem Hashem in there. Yud Kevovke, with the letter Dalit. What does that represent? He says, the letter Dalit, when Chazal darshaned the letters of the Aleph Beis, it said about the combination Gimel Dalit, that represents Gimol Dalim, give to the poor. Dalit means Dal, which means poor, lowly. He says, Yehuda, even though he has the entire name of Hashem, right? imagine a kid coming into school, my name has the entire four-letter name of God in it. Okay, but he's also got the Dalid. He's Dal. He doesn't get arrogant because of that. So he says, since he knows that whatever he has comes from Hashem, and Yehuda is the idea of being Moda, of admitting as well. So therefore, even when he falls, Hashem is with him. Okay? Sometimes a person works under the delusion that I'm a tzaddik, and that's why... Hashem likes me, that's why I have a future in life. And then when a person does something where it stares him in the face that he's not such a tzaddik that he thought he was, he can be shattered. Yehuda, and we're called Yehudim, Al-Shem Yehuda, means even when I'm low, Hashem is with me. Meaning, on one hand, look how great I am. The name of Hashem is in me. But I'm also dal. I recognize that it's all a gift and I have nothing without him. On the other hand, when I'm dull, if I've fallen down, the name of Hashem is with me. Yud Kevavke, right? Like the Mepharshim all say in the beginning of Vayigash, the last week's parasha, when he approached Yosef, he said, Be Adoni. So in the Hasidic Yisrael, they explain it, Be Hashem. He approached Yosef saying, Hashem is inside of me. And that's the way we begin Tefillah. Vayigash is the Lashon of Tefillah. Okay, so these are these two different ways of which he says when he's powerful, he bows down and he has a certain humility. When he's down, he's ready to crouch and to move forward. He doesn't let that stop him. He said this is what's called the Midah of Hishtavus. And we spoke about the Midah of Hishtavus before and other times, meaning that whatever the situation is, I simply look at what I have to do. Here he applies it, he says, that means I have to be the same person and realize that I have the same set of values and instructions when I'm down as when I'm up. What does Hashem want me and need me to do? That really parallels that idea of the Ephraim approach. 
Meaning, it's true, I messed up, but there are things I can do. I can do positive things now. I have the ability to do that, and my pathway is to move on. I'm still a lion, right? I may be down, but I'm a lion, and I can crouch and I can go. You need the other aspect of it, and perhaps this is a form of the Menashe aspect, is to say, wait a second, if you're thinking that you're so great, forget that as well. Need the power to realize that everything you have comes from Hashem. And that leads us to what I want to conclude with. Tolna Rebbe pointed out once, just something fascinating about Menashe. We talked about imagining that scene, the conflict between Yaakov and Yosef. Menashe and Ephraim, Nebuch, they're like standing there, you know, hands on this head, hands on that head, these hands are going that way. What's going on with them? Especially Menashe, the firstborn. Yosef lines him up to get the primary bracha, the right hand. Yaakov Avino, the grandfather, says, yeah, he's, he'll, be, he'll be okay. He'll be great, but Ephraim is going to be far greater than him. He should get the right hand instead of his older brother. We see no, no negative reaction from Menashe. Menashe goes on in his life as one of the Shvatim, as one of the builders of Ami soil. Perhaps that's also part of his power of kinashani, right? Okay, that wasn't what I expected. That was something, maybe even it was painful, maybe it was uncomfortable. We see no jealousy of Ephraim. We see no anger towards Yaakov or disappointment that Yosef didn't stick up for him more or do something with that. Kinashani, I can move on. The power to forget is an extremely great gift that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us. Part of the idea when a person tries, says, I have to separate and atone for what I did wrong before moving on is too much memory. Right? Just today, I, whatever, I'm, I'm not so good sometimes picking up people who are looking for a ride. And I saw somebody waiting for a ride, and in my mind, as I was approaching him, I said, oh, I know he doesn't want to go where I'm going. You know, so I, I zipped on by, and then I flashed back that I actually gave that person a ride once, and where I dropped him off was on the route that I was going. I thought about that repeatedly, all day, again and again. It really got me down. And, and I tried to ask myself, okay, what productive result comes from that? It got me down. It made me irritable, sad, less functional. It didn't give the guy a ride in any way. I do plan when I meet him to apologize right, and say, you know, I'm sorry, you know, I, I wasn't thinking when I passed you by. But that memory, that evil negative memory of going back, is somebody I know compared it to like picking at a scab, right? When a person has a wound and the wound is healing and there's this irresistible urge to like pick at the scab and you open the wound and then it gets another scab. We do this sometime with these memories and somehow we feel that that's holy or that's good because I'm torturing myself about that thing that I did wrong. There you have to use, on one hand, the forgetfulness of Menashe, the Nashani, in order to move on and realize, I have to do Kihifrani. I have to move on to the next good thing. I cannot dwell on that. I cannot let it... Oh, it doesn't mean that you don't do tshuva. That has its place, like the Balatanya says. In a compartmentalized place in the day, a person can look at something that they did wrong, you can feel heartbroken, you can think it through, you can commit yourself to the future, but that's not during the time you're supposed to be doing mitzvahs and davening and learning the simcha.
That's not the time and place for it. You have to compartmentalize that and set it aside. So these are the dynamics that are going on between Menashe and Ephraim. These are the things that we have, and we have to be very careful because both of them are pathways. But even a pathway which is legitimate, if it's not the right one for us, it's like taking an antibiotic that your friend got for strep throat, but you have a big problem with that antibiotic. Okay, you have to have the right pathway for you, and with that, hopefully, be able to detach from the negative and to be fruitful, even even in difficult times, and with that fruitfulness, to detach from everything negative. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos and week.